Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler, and I'm here in the Condé Nast podcast studios with Andrea Whittle, Meg Reinhardt, and Laura Redman, all of whom are editors for Condé Nast Traveler. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming. Hi. How's it going? Hey. Good. It's uh, Tuesday, and California's burning, so it's become a tradition uh, that we at least mention the tragedy of the week if you are in Northern California, many of us have ties to Northern California. I lived there for a decade. I have many friends still there. We're certainly keeping an eye on this. We hope that you are all okay. So far as we know, as of today, you are, um, as far as we know. But people obviously in the wine country in Northern California are um, not in great shape. No, I mean, the latest news that we had was that um, there were about hundreds of people displaced, thousands of acres burned. Santa Rosa was the hardest hit. Uh, people are dead. I think the last time I read was one of the five worst fires in Northern Californian history. I heard the worst this morning. Was it already the worst? Yeah, that it it moved faster and and covered more territory than anything had before. But who knows? It's still kind of not fully clear. Right. I think we don't know the fallout yet. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts are with you guys. Um, Hang in there. Things will get better. Um, Keep having to start the podcast with that. But it seems remiss not to mention these things. They are a big deal. I know. It's very doomsday. We're starting everything with like a doomsday <laughs> prediction. Yeah. It does feel, though, uh, Brett, uh, please edit this out. It feels like Sodom and Gomorrah. Like things like. I know. like Don't edit this out, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> no, like. Earthquakes, fires, hurricanes. Seriously. I, so maybe that's the podcast topic. Is it, it end times? Doom are, and are, the gloom. End, are the end times upon us? I did it. Speaking of doom and gloom, <laughs> traveling with your parents. <laughs> yeah, so the real topic <laughs> of the week is traveling with parents um, and maybe more broadly traveling as a family. So my first question to you guys is, should you do it? Kind of the existential question. Is this something that one should actually submit oneself to? Yes, 100%. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I Why lo- wouldn't I love you? my parents. If you love your Do you family. not? <laughs> if you have a good Mom, relationship you with your that? family yeah. and you love them and they're going somewhere that you want to also go, I mean, in generally family life involves getting together for holidays. Sometimes that means travel, whether it's you visiting your parents or all of you going somewhere else. I think it's, an, it's sort of an essential part of life for many American families. So now it's time for all the parents to leave the room. No more <laughs> listening to the podcast. Take your headphones off. Pull the earbuds out. Now, is this something you should do? With the right amount of planning for a limited time. Yes, limited time is essential. And you have to go to the right places. So, And also, is it parents or in-laws? Because that's a whole oh, other conversation. Well, in-laws are somebody's parents. Yep, yep. <laughs> So I have, I have many parents now, and we take many different kinds of vacations. So every two years, I go with my entire set, like in-law side of the family, which I think is 14 or 15 of us now. I've lost count. Wow. Yeah, every two years. And then we are trying to revamp an annual or biannual trip with my parents, um, both of whom are newly retired. So it's a whole new world. And now the newly retired parents want to hit the road all the time. They are cruisers. They have two booked mom and dad i'm telling people about your life i hope you don't mind but two booked this year already cruises uh, cruises one to bermuda and another one to cuba so like more power to them this isn't just like a little jaunt around are they the worried about sonic attacks god should we all be i mean there's no such thing as sonic. we're not, <laughs> <laughs> we're not diplomats um so i don't know i th- i think it's a great way to explore the world but like you guys said it, there have to be boundaries right mm-hmm. 
all three of you said time to limit it. What is the right amount of time? One week max. Agreed. Yeah, I I was gonna say four or five days, but <laughs> <laughs> it depends Remember, on how they much left space. the room. It's okay. <laughs> Thanksgiving. That's it. Just nothing else. No, no more than a that. week. A week sounds right. A week sounds right. And in terms of the types of trip or the places that you go, what are some options that you guys have actually found that have worked well for you? Well, Meg, you just went on a massive trip with your folks, not to tee you up. but We, we did. We did Alaska for several weeks together, but we had our own spaces. So we all, each family unit had their own room or cabin or tent, depending on what part of the trip it was. So that helped because we could go back to our areas and do our own things. And we didn't always have to be together on top of each other. Did you have a shared space that everyone could congregate in in the mornings? That's something that we try to, we have to find. Like no, we, we never had that because okay. we had cabins at one point. We were on a cruise ship at one point. We were in hotels. Um, we had most of our meals together. Sometimes we didn't agree on that, so we didn't do that part together. But our trip was probably a little too long, but we had a lot to see. Well, a month is like, that's no joke. We went from a week to a month yeah. mm-hmm. pretty quickly. You violated so we just your broke own the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I have the rule. <laughs> <laughs> How did you go about planning a month with your folks? It was a year of planning and everybody sort of voting on what we wanted to do. And there were three generations. So the youngest was seven years old and the oldest is 70 something years old. So things that everybody could do and knowing each other's limitations. So, you know, can dad handle this amount of walking and feel good? Can mom handle this kind of excursion? Are the kids old enough? We wanted to go whitewater rafting in Alaska and couldn't do that because the kids didn't weigh enough. Um, so things like that, uh, just figuring out what we want to do, what we can handle. Do we want to do everything together? Do we want to split up? And things so how like do the personalities shard along this kind of planning? Do you have people who are sort of the cheerleaders who are taking on a lot of the work and doing the planning and reaching out to everybody? Or is it something that everybody is willing, in your family, everybody's willing to do? I think my brother's the best coordinator. He can speak to everyone, keep everyone level-headed, calm, take a step back. I'm always the excited one. That sounds fantastic. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, Of course, I'm always thinking with a camera, too. So where do I want to go that I can make a great picture? And that's sort of how I thought about the whole trip. And then how do we keep the kids happy and excited for that amount of time away from home during their summer? Mm-hmm. So we have two philosophies. When you're on the trip, um, this is when my husband and I travel probably in a smaller group because it's easier, but we have a dictator model. So <laughs> each day there's a dictator and they decide what you're going to do that day. And, you know, you just have to go because it's your dictator day, but it rotates. So um, the way this plays out most often is with planning meals. And one couple will plan a meal that night and everyone has to go. You can't skip it because it's like the one you organize. So, um, and then we rotate. So every mm-hmm. couple will plan a meal and then pay for that meal. But it also Ooh. means that like, I don't know, say you're just like a, say I have a single brother, right? Is he gonna pay for a meal for everyone? He can get whatever he wants. If he decides he wants to do pizza from a cool place down the street, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanna do like a barbecue because you're at a, a hotel or resort that has outdoor grills, that's also fine. You like do yourself barbecue? Yeah. Can he give people work? Yeah, for sure. The dictator can give people work. Yeah, you can delegate. Dictator can tell. Wow, I love this This is model. brilliant. I'm going to use this idea. <laughs> See, it's, we do it. We do everyone has plays to their strengths. So, like, someone picks all the restaurants for the whole trip. Ooh. Someone deals with all the logistics. Somebody deals with, like, hotel stuff. Whatever people excel naturally at. Like, my sister-in-law is incredibly good at picking restaurants. So we went on this family trip to Amsterdam in June, and she picked literally everything. Booked ahead 
did everything, did all the research, gave us like a full rundown. And that was like her job for the trip. Wow. Do you guys have any, restaurants are a place where this can come up a lot. Do you have any sort of like massive taste gaps or differentials that you run into as problems? We haven't. We're a super tight-knit family, and we all, like my sort of nuclear family, my brother, his wife, my parents, we all live in New York, and my sister. So we kind of end up wanting the same things and looking for the same things. I would assume that it's trickier if everyone is spread out and has different budgets and different levels of taste and different dietary restrictions. Like, it's harder. We don't generally run up against that problem, though. We've got the kids, right? Mm -hmm. So... Sometimes How are they, the kids in your in your group? They they As range eaters. in age now from five months old to thirteen. So yeah. it's a lot of chicken fingers and French fries and mac and cheese. And if the place doesn't have one of those three things, or like plain pasta with butter sauce. We're kind of screwed, and and so, and you got. I mean, and I know that you. That is not how you guys actually eat. Mm -mm. So how do you handle that when you're picking restaurants? I mean, this I ask because this is a, a dilemma for us. Well, you as just well. went through this too, didn't I you? Just this went, past weekend, yeah, I just went through this this past weekend. If we can get three quarters of the adults to agree on a restaurant, we can never get my brother to agree unless there's like a hamburger or steak. <laughs> um, but the kids are just an unsolvable problem, yeah. and and we. I think we ended up at a place this past weekend. We were in Montreal, and we ended up at a place where it was just a real puzzle. Like, we could not figure out what to get for them. I think it helps that for the majority of the trips I've taken recently, we've been domestic or we've been in an island that can cater to a familiar palate, if that makes sense. We are going on a trip to Ireland next year, and, you know, <laughs> I love my... My nephew Jackson, shout out to Jackson. He <laughs> thinks the UK has the best food in the world. Fish and chips, potatoes, you know, like it's, he loves a stew, he loves all that. It's like very, comfort food mm -hmm. is great. So like even if it, you can't find the trifecta of like fried products or cheesy products, <laughs> if there's comfort food, something familiar that they can adapt, I think that's the way you go. But I mean, Greg and I get made fun of all the time for being foodies, like just because we like to eat out a lot and our taste, yeah, our tastes skew kind of all over the place. So um, we try to kind of rein that adventureness. That's not a word. Adventurousness. Aven thank <laughs> you. The adventurousness in a little and not subject everyone else to that, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, it does. It, you also run into, with that, you run into cost differentials, right? And different expectations and tolerances. What kinds of things have you guys done to combat that or to diffuse the sort of tension over potentially different expectations around how much a meal should cost? I think planning in the beginning of knowing how much everyone's willing to spend, what the costs are up front, and what we're going to be spending while we're out there. So the expectation is set, and then people can bring their own fun money, but knowing like our meals are going to average $50 a person for dinner, or we're doing continental breakfast, or we're bringing granola bars for the car to keep the kids happy. Whatever it is, everybody has the expectation, so there aren't surprises along the way. Yeah, that's smart. That's also where the dictator model is helpful, because... If we want to take everyone out to like a extravagant meal, it's on us. We have to pay for it, mm -hmm. and everyone can come along, and that's great. You can't complain about that. Um, but otherwise, we're just getting basic groceries, so we kind of have breakfast and lunch covered, or at least two of the three meals covered each day with supplies. Mm -hmm. um, it helps to have a place that has a little bit of a kitchen, a kitchenette, whatever. That's why I mean, for us with this massive group, we're always looking for either hotel rooms with adjoining common spaces or uh, a house or a villa or something where you can stock a fridge and just mm -hmm. kind of go to it and keep stocking it and 
throw money into the kitty in advance to buy all those Gatorades or granola bars or whatever it is that people need to eat. What about you guys? Hotels uh, or what, what do you look for in lodging to try and help with some of this stuff? Mm, I would say try to go for a house over a hotel if you can, just because it gives you, A, the option to come together in a big space, whether it's for breakfast or for dinner every night. You can have groceries. You probably end up saving money in the long run if you're all splitting like an Airbnb or a home rental. Um, and it just gives you like a little more flexibility, I think. That's why I would go, I would go house over hotel. Meg, you mentioned staying in hotels for part of your trip. How did that work out? Um, I liked it because I had that separate space to go back to, but it was hard for the meetups. So going forward, I think having that meeting space, common space, um, we did have for part of the cruise part of our trip, we had shared balconies. So that was a big meeting spot because they all attached so we could go out there and hang out. Um, we sort of had meeting areas where we went to. There's also a lack of communication when you're not in the U.S. and not everybody's phones are working. So you had to have these meetup areas because we weren't all in the same house. So I think going forward, we would change that up. When we were in the cabins, we did have one larger cabin that had the kitchenette, and that was mm -hmm. super helpful to have that space and be able to store food. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do GoTennas or something like that? Because it is a problem sometimes where people are on different cell phone services. They get different levels of service outside the country. What's a GoTenna? Yeah, I don't know yeah, what that is. What is that? <laughs> GoTenna Go is basically a little device that you connect to your cell phone, and it lets you do texting and I can't remember if it lets you do chat. Can you do WhatsApp with it? Does it give you, you can't Wi-Fi? No, it has its own app that you use. So yeah. it sets up its own kind of network, but it's almost like walkie-talkies for your cell phone. Mm -hmm. And it's great for places where you can't get, like there's no network. So mm -hmm. if you're going to be in, like we could have used them last year when we were out west and some of those parks my family was traveling with my brother's family out in the western United States, and they had Verizon and we had AT&T, and there were many, many occasions where they had service and we did not. Uh, sorry, AT&T. Yeah, it's plug for just Verizon. the truth. <laughs> well, the Brought reverse happened up Verizon. in Montreal, actually. Okay. Um, but these basically facilitate, and it's also good if you have like kids and or, you know, sort of multi-generational travelers where you can have sort of one GoTenna shared by a couple of people and that lets you stay in contact over distance. I can't remember the distance. It's like three miles or something That's like that. That's pretty good. That's I mean, as far as you usually go. That is good. That actually is, but like, yeah. So if you're out hiking and people move at different paces, which is another thing that you deal with with multi-generational travel, right? Some people are fast, some people are not. Some people are kids and they're all over the place and like whatever, mm -hmm. but... So there are other models, I'm sure, but GoTenna is one that we've covered and that we've written about and that I actually own, um, and it's good for that kind of thing. But no, what I was going to say, have you guys ever stayed in a hotel-type environment that was really good for this kind of thing? We usually do on these big, big trips. Um, and I think in part, well, in part because my mother-in-law is a travel agent and she has relationships with these hotels. So what we have learned is that, A, um, we don't have to clean up after ourselves. I know that sounds so bratty, but when you're on vacation and if it's the one trip you're taking that year for some families, then you kind of don't want to have to argue over who's going to make the beds or clean the kitchen mm -hmm. or whatever. Mark is applauding right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also found that the hotel amenities are more reliable. So with kids, you need a pool. I think you've talked about this before, Brad. Um, if you don't have a pool, you need somewhere where they can go and unwind for a couple hours in the afternoon, uh, the equivalent of the siesta time, um, because you can't be go, go, go all day with them. You have to take breaks. So 
we've been to Aruba a couple times, and there's uh, the Marriott Surf Club, I believe, has a lazy river that we are regular customers of. <laughs> um, it also comes with cocktails, so that makes it better for the adults, but who doesn't like a lazy river, right? So, I feel like the pool is the perfect place for that multi-generational scenario because the grandparents tend to run out of steam at a certain point and need to chill for a little while. Yep. And the kids definitely need some kind of break from, especially in an urban environment. And the pool is a great place to sort of like give you as the intermediary between these, the, the parental generation, I suppose. I don't know exactly what we're called, but like kids go there, grandparents go there, keep an eye on kids, get to chill, get to relax by the pool, have a drink if that's their thing. And you get to sort of vacate yourself from parenting for a little while. So it's like the perfect, um, perfect solution for all that. Well, I think pace is an interesting problem or, I don't know, question. I mean, how do you, I am a very, very active traveler. We joke about it regularly. We do. Yeah. <laughs> so my idea of a fun trip is going to like three museums in a day, mm -hmm. right? But how do you do it when you're there with elderly parents or little kids like how do you negotiate that you have to be willing to divide up mm. that you don't always especially when it's longer than a week you don't always have to be in the same space i think even for thanksgiving mm -hmm. you don't always have to be in the same space you don't at home at night you don't all watch the same tv show every single night like you need to have that space to go elsewhere so just ahead of time saying like these are three things that i absolutely want to see on this trip if you don't want to do that, that's fine, but I'd like to work that in. So, you know, I'll get up early one morning or I'm going to take this afternoon by myself and do that. And I've done that plenty of times. I like that idea. Having like your top three. Yeah. Maybe everyone has their top three and whoever wants to like join in on that can. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's sort of like dictatorship for yeah, I want to yeah, yeah. be here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's key. And this is like goes the same thing for traveling with friends or with anybody. I think you have to sort of have this understanding that not every single activity is mandatory. You can go off alone or like you can go off with half the group or you can go with, you know, one of your siblings or whatever. I think that's key to happiness with any kind of travel. And important to that is that everybody needs to have their own type of transportation, whether it's someone has, everyone has Uber and you can like use Uber or everyone has a rental car per couple or per unit. I think like the more, freedom you have to like come and go from wherever you're staying the better because nobody wants to fight over rental cars or you know who has uber on their phone what's I just think it's what's the rule that you have observed in my the, rule yeah, personally because you, you talked about this before the podcast i what's mean your rule? i would think ideally a car per person what that's insane but like just every time <laughs> so over christmas we all go stay with my parents uh, they have a place in Palm Beach in Florida. So we all like pile into this little house and we're like on top of each other all day. The only fights that we've ever gotten in are because there haven't been enough vehicles. Really? Yes. Everybody's okay with watching the same movie, the no, same... Well, we, like, we, we go by the like nothing is mandatory move. So everyone uh -huh. is like doing their stuff during the day, out and about. Like we all help out. We like, you know, run errands, buy groceries, help out around the house. The conflicts always arise when like somebody wants to take the car for the whole afternoon or like to go to Miami or <laughs> whatever. And someone like needs to go buy groceries and the car's not in the driveway. So like as long as everybody has a bike, Uber, a rental, like something, as long as you are able to be independent when it comes to transportation, you will save yourself a lot of stress. Okay, so should you only plan a family vacation in places that have a very walkable downtown? 
where transportation becomes your feet. That'll restrict you. Or a cruise trip. Or, or a, a cruise, cruise ship. Yeah, we haven't even talked about cruises. Yeah, or somewhere where you can bike or somewhere where you have multiple cab services. I feel like Uber solves this problem. Uber in a solves lot this problem places. in a lot of places, but not all. Not Sometimes right. there's not more all. rural places where it's not an option. Right. And you've got to teach your mom how to use Uber. Does your mom use Uber? Great question. I'm not sure. Ask her. I'll call her later. <laughs> I think like we the trip that we took recently that was that she was involved in was last year when we went to for her 70th birthday to Charleston. And Charleston certainly has Uber. At least I think it does. It does. We took it yeah. there, I think. Yeah, they haven't But they also there's also cabs, there's also like all kinds of other forms of transportation there, and it's very walkable. So to your point, you know, making sure that people can I guess not be constrained by the rest of the group mm-hmm. is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Is a good thing. Well, how much time do you need to spend with your family for it to count as a family vacation? During the day, yeah. as opposed to like the total time of the trip. During the day, no. I, we've talked. Okay, a week. A week is great. Right. But then, do you all gather for one event, like per day? Per day, or do you? I don't know. Do I would you need say to at least limits? come together for two meals. I agree. Mm-hmm. Two meals. I think breakfast is as needed, but I think that you should sit down for lunch and dinner together, and I think that you should spend at least the morning or the afternoon as a whole together. Really? Not necessarily both. That is a lot of time. I don't know. I mean, if you're really two hours between lunch and dinner, it doesn't have to be a ton of time. At a certain point, like, why are you on the trip with them? Right? Well, sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so if you're going to do that, what are the mitigation strategies to sort of keep everybody kind of happy and aligned? I think you always have to check in. I mean, I I think... If you sense that somebody feels left out or like they're not being... Who's in charge of that? Who's Everybody in charge of be, sensing who, hmm. whether people are like, do you, need a, Julie, do you need a tour director or something? <laughs> I, I would say the middle, the as the middle sibling. sibling I, I don't like that idea. To be on the baby. <laughs> the most neurotic sibling. Yeah. <laughs> the most neurotic. I don't know. Like whoever has a WhatsApp group on their phone. Like you, that is what I think you should. All, that's what we always do is we always have WhatsApp. Yeah. WhatsApp like, is yeah. the app of choice for because this? Because we all, we're all, a lot of times we go to Europe because my mom's side of the family's Italian, so we're there visiting them, and like whenever we're out and about, whether you're like cutting in and out of Wi-Fi, if you're roaming or not, WhatsApp always works, and it's the most convenient way to have a group chat. Yeah, to- totally it agree. Works. How did you get your parents, not to put too fine a point on it, on WhatsApp? Uh, we're, we're in progress. I think if it's not iMessage, like I can't get anybody to use it. Well, here's the thing mm-hmm. we're negotiating right now is... Greg and I usually get local SIM cards, and that means that we can slip them in and use, you know, data. But that's a nerdy thing to do. Super nerdy, I know. We're travelers, whatever. But my equally nerdy in-laws want just their international roaming plan. So what do we do with that? At the end of the day, hopefully we have to stay somewhere that has good Mm Wi-Fi, and we can convince everyone to download the app and just use the Wi-Fi. Because when it gets to a point where some people are texting... And some people are iMessaging and some yeah. people are you WhatsApping. You need it to be on WhatsApp yeah. because otherwise it's just a mess. And then if you have an Android or an iMessage, it's like it all works. But now the roaming thing isn't so bad anymore because no, it, $10 it's a day. No, it's not bad at all. Well, so that's it, the AT&T thing. This is what just happened in Montreal with us is that I don't know where this kind of netted out, but there was a the first full day that we were in Montreal, both my sister-in-law and my brother got these messages on their phones that were like, you've just racked up $50 in data overcharges because oh, you're no. traveling internationally. Mm-hmm. But you can always call them and they will always backdate it. Even on Verizon? Yes. On AT&T. 
Verizon, you can too. Is it AT&T? Every time I've called them when I've gone over, they have fixed it instantly. They've been very helpful. Yeah, I call the one eight hundred number. It's never a problem. How long do you have to wait on that call though? Is it like an hour of your time? No, often it's five or ten minutes, and occasionally if it's more, they'll do the thing where they call you back. All right. I think Verizon's five dollars a day now to extend your normal plan international while you travel. And for the current trip, my parents are on there in Ireland right now for two and a half weeks. They called ahead, and they're like, "You don't even have to call ahead anymore. We just if you go international and start using it, we'll just charge you five dollars on those days." But mm-hmm. they did not do that with my brother and my sister-in-law mm. just now, and they did AT and T. I was going to say, perhaps we haven't I'm gotten wrong. the bill yet, so yeah. <laughs> well, no, but perhaps I'm wrong. But like, this is where I was going to say, this is one place where AT and T seems to have leapt ahead of mm-hmm. of Verizon, where their coverage isn't as great, but their policy is basically like. Go ahead, fly abroad. We're just going to charge you ten dollars a day, and you get to opt out of that if you want to opt out of that. Mm-hmm. But and you use your the data on your regular plan, mm-hmm. which is easy. I do. I, I totally agree. It's that super easy. Like a year ago, that was hard. Now yeah, it's and you used really to have easy. to do like the silver plan, which yeah. I would then go over in two days, yeah. and then I would have to call them and then upgrade it. Yeah. Usually, I've gotten away with calling them from the airport on the way home, and just being like, "Hey, wow. I was in Italy." Really? And they're like, "Okay, great." And they're just. Got wow. rid of the fee? Yeah. So no do you way. guys they have... Like did it, they've just added on whatever size plan covers the data that I used. Okay. Which now I just do the $10 day thing. Oh. But So do you call in advance anymore? You don't have to call in advance. I always forget to. <laughs> AT&T, you don't have to call in advance yeah. anymore. I think the I think Damn. you have to set it up once. Like okay. if yeah. the first time you ever do it, like you set it up once. Uh, when we just went there, I landed. I got a little text message that said, "Hi, we're going to charge you ten dollars a day, and you get to use your data plan," because I had set it up when we went to Cuba or yeah, something like that's that. That's what happened when I went to Mexico. Yeah. And it was I have been super out of easy. the game. That's what happens when you have a baby. Is that new this year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All it right, is. Thank you. Yeah. I, like I said, a year ago, this was super hard. But my question is, do you guys have like a CTO, either designated <laughs> mm. or de facto, like for the group, or is there somebody who sort of? plays the dictatorial role and says, okay, we're going to be on WhatsApp. We're all going to use this thing. You need to download it. Here's what you need to do. And we're going to set up a group and we're all going to be in it. Like, Or is it just sort of like a random and everybody's... I think it's just younger people do the installing and the walkthrough. They grab yeah. the iPhone. You just they grab the phone and you just do it. This is the way it's going to work and this is how we're going to talk. Here is the app. You will get these notifications. Click on this. That's the group. Type whatever you want. Mom, press mom. here. Yeah, <laughs> that was the thing. My mom did it all. My dad. We finally got him texting, so that was a big deal. But he still doesn't really do it. So, but mom and dad don't separate, so we don't have to worry about it. So, right. mom that's is a the connection. Point. That's a very good point. And since mom already uses Facebook Messenger, and that's web-based or internet, we can get her to log on to good Wi-Fi, and that ended up being our source, which is like right. she already has it, understands it. We're not going to introduce anything new. I, mm-hmm. I love that. It was that. great. I also, there's a story David Jeffries, one of our colleagues, has told before where on trips he would use Instagram to find out where his family was. <laughs> so that someone would be posting, be posting stalker. Frequently. Yeah, pretty yeah, frequently. What kind of social media family <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, like say they're off doing their thing for the day and someone posts from a beautiful botanic garden or something. Wait, on the same trip he's on stalking the same his family. Trip, he's stalking I, his family. That's how they find out where each other is. Just find my friends. If you're going that deep, just have everyone on Find My Friends. What's Find My Friends? You don't have Find My Friends? No. No. I never use it. I use it for app? my whole family. No, no, tell me more. Okay. Well, so how? it's this <laughs> app that comes automatically with your iPhone if you are an Apple user. That It's a little creepy, but if you use it with like very close 
friends and family, which is exactly who I use it for, it just shows you where everyone else's phone is. Whoa. So you have a little map. Oh, that's too creepy for me. And this is a this is this no, is no, no, radio, it's, so you can't no, see sorry. this. But Andre is showing am, us a map. So I've just of, pulled up my phone, and here I have like my she's stalking my her three friend. best friends, my brother, my sister, and my mom. So I know where they are at all times. So I can look at my mother. She's that 95 is super miles creepy. away. Is it accurate? Because completely we, accurate. We use location services on Google Maps. If you're not an Apple user, um, because my husband likes to go kiteboarding and I get worried about him going off to sea. So he turns on location <laughs> what services. What would you do if it were off to Actually, sea? Actually, it does show that he's like out, you know. <laughs> it's not very precise, so that's a problem. But location services you can turn on too, and you can share it with someone in your group. You can also do it for an hour until the end of the day. So I just have this on indefinitely. But if you're ever traveling with someone, like sometimes if I have a friend who's driving through the city and I want to know when they're five minutes away from my apartment, they can share their location for me, and then I can look at their location and say, notify me when they cross the Brooklyn Bridge or when they're a mile away, and it will just tell me. Well, that's kind of awesome. So it's very useful when you're, like, in a place and you need to know where other people are. But it's... Or if you don't really know how to... Like, let's say you're in a city and you're like in a square and you don't really know how to give someone directions to where you are and you can't really figure it out just share your location what happened to the, the drop a pin thing drop a pin never worked though <laughs> no, I don't no i didn't I have still any use it. it do you am, my am i really dated <laughs> no i mean i just i never figured it out yeah maybe what's yeah. drop a pin Oh, come on. You can, on <laughs> Google Maps, you drop a pin. And I'm like, oh, you're at this intersection. And you need to make two rights and a left, and I'll be standing on the corner, whatever, you know, when this someone's lost. This come in super handy this weekend because one of the one of the pitfalls of if everybody's using Uber, there are some occasions where drivers have different interpretations of a destination. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we were just in, again, Montreal, and my brother was taking an Uber with his family. I was taking an Uber with mine. And we, we all were headed to the same square, but their driver had a different interpretation of what that meant than our driver did. So we ended up at this place and like had this like block and a half puzzle that we had to solve of like how do we meet Even though you're other. putting in that been addresses mm-hmm. though. No, because you put in like we put in the name of the square. And there's, there's like, like four entrances. And, so and there's great, like, yeah. you know, the square is like a city block wide, but also their driver interpreted that as meaning like a thing that was off a, a sort of side street off the square. So the driver overrode whatever the app was No, saying? no, no. The app actually directed him there. to there. Well, and a- then we got in and we verbally spoke with the driver and said, this is the place we're going to. And so he took us like to, we sort of, uh, we overrode oh, the app. Oh, yeah. You played taxi rules in an Uber. You just have to like all agree to an address. <laughs> but sometimes the addresses don't work because we got stuck in Stanley Park in Vancouver and we all agreed like we're like we have kids we're gonna meet the playground let them run for a little while before dinner except we all put it in our Uber app and then you can't actually drive that far into the park anymore. Yeah, right. right. So luckily our phones were all working we made a quick call and said the first person that got dropped off is like I'm here and then we got dropped there. But mm-hmm. yeah Uber doesn't always all right. agree. So I'm going to get more into the the psychographics of this whole thing. Mm. What do does you guys, that word mean? Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. So how do you guys deal with I'm, I'm assuming there's always someone in the group who are passive aggressive. That is, they say yes to everything, they agree to everything, but you know that they are not really on board. And you have to sort of work it out of them or figure it out during the process. How do you guys deal with that sort of thing, the different personality types that you're dealing with in a group like that? Passive aggressive player. That's hard. Go, I mean, I think go super aggressive. This is where know. I'm going to get in trouble. 
I think of all the people that you should be able to read those signs from, like your family would be it, right? I went to Venice with my mom in June and I had this super ambitious plan that I wanted to see like both Biennale venues, three museums and like five shops in a day. We were literally there for like 28 hours and I was like, we're doing this, okay. And I was just like really, really gung-ho and I could just tell that at a certain point in the afternoon, she was just like exhausted and wanted to play along, but it was just, tired as I also was but I like wasn't admitting it to myself I was just like we're gonna keep going (laughs) so I think in those cases you should a be like hypersensitive to those cues even if they're not being verbalized and to like try to be generous I think when you're on these trips with your family like especially like let's say your parents are treating you to a trip or they're inviting you on something always try to err on the side of being like generous and accommodating especially to older generations because It's just not worth upsetting somebody if you have different expectations for your day or for your week or for whatever. So, you know, in that case, I was like, we're just going to go sit down and have a drink and just take two hours and just chill. And like, that was fine. That worked. That that took care of it. Perfect. Two spritzes on the terrace of the Amman Hotel (laughs) was just fine. Yeah, (laughs) That sounds like a good solution in general in life. Exactly what you did, giving each other an out too. like my priorities were these three of the six things I Mm want to do. I got to see those. Do you need to take a break or do you want to go rest at the hotel for an hour? I'll go see this and then we can meet up for dinner. Mm -hmm. Just respecting each other's limits. I think we're talking about traveling with parents and the idea of, I don't know, rest and needs. You know, like they may change with the days or the years. You may be surprised. Like I have this wonderful memory of my mom um, in, I'm going to say, in Disney World. Yes, we used, we used to go to Disney World a lot, but we were adults and she was in her mid-60s and we went for like a 10-hour day and she didn't complain, go, go, go. And at one point towards the end of the day, she tripped and fell. And I... Yeah, that's terrifying. Freak out, right? But she like hit the ground, tuck and rolled and popped right back up. <laughs> <laughs> go mom. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, vacations bring out the best in people. <laughs> That was amazing. And it just, you, you can get tired too. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in our 30s or 40s or whatever. Like, I, like, the pace can change based on, you know, just if you had a tough day or not. And totally. I think it's important to communicate, right? Passive aggressiveness is tough on a vacation when you need open communication, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not joking about aggressiveness being my antidote to passive mm-hmm. aggressiveness. You just roll right over them? Kind of. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I say, what's wrong? What's going on? Let's take a break. Yeah, like, what do like you need said. right now? Yeah, what do Just you need? Just tell me. Yeah, it's your family. Or, or like even if you know that they're not going to tell you, like try to infer of your years of experience yes. <laughs> what might be helpful. Right. I think having a conversation again ahead of the trip too. Like, totally. hey, we all need to be honest and open with each other. Like if someone's not feeling well or someone doesn't want to do this, just say it. Again, mm-hmm. like if you're on, on a trip, especially more than a week, you don't always have to be together. It's okay. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have a better time. If you're not in each other's space and hair, mm-hmm. then if you're on top of each other and all angry with each other. So totally. enjoy the trip. Yeah. So that points to maybe another psychographic question that I had, which is that we're all children of our parents. And there's lots of, you know, background there. Are How? you trying not to say baggage? <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. It's a, tra- it's a travel podcast. <laughs> um, but... Uh, how how do you guys avoid like f- for example I'll use the going home to visit right mm-hmm. um, trope as an example is that one of the risks inherent in going home whether it's for the holidays which it often is 
or for some other occasion, is that you go and you stay, even if you're an adult, even if you're a full-grown person, in your childhood room or whatever context. And all of these old sort of patterns of behavior between us and our parents kind of show up, you know, present themselves. On a trip like this, you don't have the actual physical context, you know, kind of making that more likely. But how do you avoid falling into these traps of dialogue or interpersonal behavior that can color, not necessarily in a positive light, sometimes that's true, but do you just keep people super busy? Do you pack the schedule or do you give people, you know, off in their corner time? Or Mm -hmm. how do you handle the risk of falling into those old patterns of behavior that can sometimes be, you know, challenging? I think a shared new experience is helpful. Mm -hmm. It's it kind of creates, um, you know, everyone's in their outside their comfort zone. You can't fall back into these patterns that you're talking about or rely on nostalgia, which can also drive a lot of vacations for us. The Disney family vacation has a ton of nostalgia attached to it. So if you were all somewhere new, it's kind of like levels the playing field a little bit. You're all surprised. You're all thrilled in a sense. Um, You hope, unless being somewhere new is like nerve wracking for that member of your family, your parent or whatever. But hopefully if you're traveling with them, it's not. I don't Mm -hmm. know. What do you guys think? I like that idea. I like the idea of Set, it's not setting a new expectation, but a new experience. So it's fresh for everyone. So there's no fallback to like, oh, we're not allowed to do that. Or this happened last time. Or we have to feel this way when we do it. Because things inevitably don't feel the same as they did 25 years ago. And, you know, of course, there's another generation below all of us now, too, which is a huge change because we're caring for other people. Mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, a lot of my family travel involves visiting my me and my siblings visiting my parents in their home and I think the way to avoid any sort of conflicts there is I try to think of it as if I were visiting someone's house as a house guest so it's like even though I've been going there my entire life I'm in my 20s it's not hasn't been that long since I was under their roof but I try to like act as if I were visiting like one of my friend's parents so like you know bring a hostess gift you know do you do that really i try to or like something like bring down like a box of chocolate or like whatever like my mom's favorite snack is always offer to buy groceries when you can like you're good just run around you you really are good (laughs) i don't do all that but i try to offer to cook a meal so yeah or something just like treat them to a drink or like pick up a case of wine or i don't know just do things that are genuinely helpful so that you don't build up any kind of resentment just because even though it is the place that you grew up if your parents are used to not having you around it's like probably pretty exhausting and they have to do a ton of work and like if you're acting like you're 16 and like not washing your own dishes (laughs) it's not going to be a great week (laughs) so that's a really nice now i want to go home and bring (laughs) chocolates every time i go home or just try to like think that way it helps you know our parents in our generation you just mentioned this meg we're kind of in between there are children beneath us. There are parents above us. How do you guys think about balancing the different requirements of those two generations when you're on a multi-generational trip? Like one, I'll speak only for, you know, my parents and my in-laws where they're kind of slowing down. Like things need to kind of, you know, chill out a little bit. And while they may have the, the mind to do a lot, the body doesn't necessarily follow 
I'm starting to enter that territory myself. <laughs> and then the kids, on the other hand, you know, they need a lot of physical activity, especially if you've got sort of kids under the age of 10. You know, they need to run around. They want to do a lot of activity. Um, how do you guys structure a vacation so that it accommodates both of those? Or what are some strategies that we could recommend to people for structuring a vacation to take care of both of those needs? I kind of think you divide and conquer a little bit. I mean, it goes back to the not everyone doing everything together all the time philosophy, but say you have, I don't know, uh, when I was just an aunt before I was a mom, I would do a lot of the active things with my older nephews. So I, I was very happy to go on like a banana boat with them or to like <laughs> go, I don't know, go take them to like surf somewhere or whatever, um, just because I could. It was, again, skill sets and um, energy levels, you know, you pair people up, right? So volunteerism. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's good. I like the idea that came up earlier too about going to the pool. So like our generation can sit there and have cocktails. The older generation can sit there and just sort of rest by the pool, but they're keeping an eye on the kids who are exerting all their what, energy. No cocktails for them? <laughs> my parents aren't. Well, Virgin mom, pina coladas no, all around. My mom can actually have a few drinks. I saw that this summer. It was fun. Um, but also there's other activities. So like going to a park where like, you know, the adults can sort of talk and converse. Kids are running around. So it's finding those activities, even things like when we go home for the holidays, I feel like twice in the last couple of years, we ended up at the bowling alley. Everybody had a blast, and not everyone was participating in bowling necessarily, but it was this activity that we could all come together on, and you could go as hard as you want or just sit down. There was beer, you know, so everyone sort of had their own space and was happy, and it got us out of the house, and I think that's mm -hmm. good too. Like, if you're in a small space, leaving that small space, and again, I think that lends itself back to new experiences, just mm -hmm. exploring outside and breathing a little fresh air. This is another place where cruises are great, too, right? Because you can sort of book these cruises that have, especially these days, where you've got ships that are segmented. They have lots of different activities. Some of those are appropriate for older people. Some of those are appropriate for the kids. You can even drop the kids off in many cases and have somebody well-qualified, always well-qualified, take care of them. And then the middle generation has other things that they can go off and do. I mean, we, we did that when I was in my early teens. We did, uh, I think, a Disney cruise. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. Disney. And um, I went. You're like plugging hard for the Disney. Dude, <laughs> this podcast Disney. brought to you by the Walt Disney. <laughs> Look, right? Look, if you grew up in the Northeast, more often than not, you did the once a year family vacation to Disney World. It was just kind of like a rote thing. And we embraced it and on this cruise it was great because I had my teens club and I remember I got to go kayaking with people my age in Castaway Key and I went and played basketball with them on the roof of the deck and I didn't have to see my parents for like 10 hours and it was fine and my younger brother was in the kids club and that was it also wasn't just fine. fine it was awesome it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of cruise ships have that kind of structure. division and structure exactly and like you said they do have people who are very well qualified to watch your kids so I think I'd consider it again. I've been on a cruise since then, though. You so. can also leave the kids behind and go do excursions on land, which we learned this summer. So it was great. The kids didn't want to sit on another bus and go see a mountain and see some snow in the middle of summer. But they were so happy because they got to swim and have lunch with other kids. So everyone made out great that day. It was like everyone got to do exactly what they wanted. And when we got to Denali and they were getting their junior ranger badges and the park ranger asked what their favorite part of the trip was, they said the kids club on the cruise. Very right. disappointing as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> so you, but, you make everyone happy. Yeah, no, I do. I, I have seen this too, is that sometimes the run around the city or destination or whatever and sort of do a bunch of stuff is not actually that cool for the kids. Mm -hmm. They're not that into it. They don't care about that 
really interesting looking building over there that you're there to see or the shop that you want to go to or, you know, even the food sometimes and the ability to sort of leave them behind and have them have whatever it is that they're looking for, hanging out together, playing on their iPads, whatever it is. It's kind of a nice thing. I can see the appeal of that. And it's still new experiences for them. They're making new friends. They're doing things that they wouldn't have done at home. So why not? Yeah. As long as they're safe. Yeah. All right. So if we went around, not to make us wrap up, but (laughs) if we did and we said where we would take our parents next, what kind of trip you would take them on? Where would you go? I I really want to take my parents to Germany. Um, My dad loves to ride motorcycles, and he's been talking about riding his motorcycle in the mountains around Switzerland, Germany, and France for a very, very long time. And he studied Germany growing up, and he's part German, and he loves beer, and you just have to, like, make that happen. So I, my goal, I've been talking about this for two years, and I think I need to make it happen, is actually take them to Germany. Nice. Meg? This is tough. I would have always said Europe, but they're off gallivanting around Europe right now without me. So <laughs> yeah, Your parents sound like good travelers. Yeah. No, this is new. They just both retired. Well, Dad's been retired for a while, but Mom retired, and she's off, and it's great. I love it. Um, I th- I'm thinking Australia, because they're not as crazy as I- Like, I'll go and hike miles in the woods and be so happy, but there it's like we can still do short trails. We can see cities and parks, and they love parks and the outdoors and seeing that stuff without all the hard work of walking for miles. They want to walk a mile or two, and that's plenty. Um, So it's a beautiful place to go. There's tons to see without being stuck in one place. Um, I think bus tours help them because you get further in and then can go explore. It's somewhere new. It's somewhere none of us had been, which I think is always good. It's not like one person, when I was here last time. So it would be a new place for all of us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Telluride, Colorado. Mm. We used to go as a family on ski trips, and now we were like sitting at dinner the other night all chatting about like where we wanted to go. And I think it's a nice, it has like a great town. It's really authentic. There's great food. It's beautiful. I would even go in the summer with them. My parents are both big hikers. They love going on like long mountain walks. My mom literally just did the Santiago de Compostela trail. She did. Yeah, really? it's wonderful. Wow. Insane. So I would go there either in winter or summer because it's like super active, but it's also got like a fun low key town with a great vibe. So everyone can do their own thing. Everyone has their own car, too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's walkable, so maybe you don't even need one. Right. There you go. Ski in, ski out. <laughs> God, I, this is, that's a hard question. I, the, the Charleston thing was a huge success. Worked really well. So I would look for that kind of, like, I think big city is too big. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be London, but it might be Ireland, for example. It might be like, let's go to the city for a couple of days. It's a smaller city. It's more manageable. And then maybe let's do some stuff outside of that. You know, let's take a little road trip. That's exactly what we're doing with my family next year. Uh, Well, you beat me to it. Sorry. It's a good idea. (laughs) The other place I was thinking of that I know my mom would absolutely dig is Africa, Um, specifically like safari land. And I think um, that's something that she would just dig a lot. Um, and you can do it in a way where you can create those kind of like multi-generational experiences. Mm-hmm. It's enormously expensive. So I don't think, you know, that part of it lends itself to, it doesn't make it easy, but I think it as a location, that's one that kind of like everybody can get something out of that, you know, whatever stage of life they're in. So it all seem good. All right. Well, I guess you made that the end of this. Yep. <laughs> um, Keeping us honest. Yeah. You're, you're doing the dictator thing here. Yep. <laughs> 
works. Um, it does work. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com. We are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And please do tweet at us. Send us your feedback. Let us know what your favorite family vacation was, multi-generational. Where did you take your parents that actually worked really well? Or where would you warn us against sending a whole family trip or taking a whole family trip? And review us on iTunes. Leave us some feedback there. Andrea, where can people reach you People on can the find me on Twitter and Instagram at a whittle bit. Please do follow Andrea. She is very funny on oh, Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> Meg? Um, I am on Instagram, Megazine. Megazine. Nice. Two Gs. Another good one. Two great Instagram handle puns yeah, here. Really? I love this. <laughs> Laura? I have no puns. I'm at Laura underscore Redman on Instagram and at Danon825 on Twitter. Lots of baby pics. Lots. Oh, my God. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) I'm a new mom. So many baby pics. Um, I'm at Bradbrook. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.